Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. You can catch me here Mondays throughout the rest of the NFL season, recapping crazy weekend in the NFL divisional rounds. And now we are set with the final four for next weekend. It's going to be a ton of fun. And, of course, tonight is burger night. That includes $2.95 burgers here at Cap Ale from 3 p.m. to close or add beer and bacon, excuse me, beer, cheese, and bacon for just three ninety-five. And, of course, Mondays on 910 The Fan, you can hear who's talking and from who's talking. Joining us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is Jim Hobgood. What's going on, Hobbo? Hey, Adam. I'm well. How are you? I'm, I'm good, man. Big show tonight, 6 p.m. on The Fan. What should people expect? Uh, well, we've got uh, Kevin Miller, the new director for the Virginia Athletics Foundation. He's been there a few months. Uh, we're just going to check in with him, see how it's going, how he's uh, settling into the position. You know, there's a lot of money raising going on in college uh, athletics these days. You have the scholarship fund, which he's responsible for, and then, of course, you have capital campaigns. You got NIL. Uh, that's one of my concerns going forward is uh, where's all the money going to come from to, to do all this uh, beyond the uh, television and media contracts? But at any rate, uh, yeah. it'll be good to have him uh, on. And then uh, former Virginia player and longtime assistant coach Anthony Solomon. Uh, most recently, he was on Mike Bray's bench at Notre Dame for many years. I think he's gotten out of coaching for the time being. I think it's the time being. I would expect that he's going to get back into it, and that's one of the things we'll ask him tonight. But should be another good show, and it's it's uh, it's been a good week for the basketball who's at least with a victory uh, over both Techs, both Virginia yeah. and Georgia. Yeah, we're going to go around local college hoops here with Jim Hobgood. We'll, we will start with UVA and their two straight victories. And, uh, you know, it feels like all season long I've been saying, hey, who's going to be that third scorer for UVA? You know, Beekman can bring it. At times, Dunn has been consistent. Well, last game it was Isaac McNeely exploding with 20 points, 6 of 9 from the three-point line. How huge was that, Hobbo? Uh, pretty big, and uh, you know, a lot of those shows, uh, shots uh, were at critical moments, particularly one in the last minute or so, and many of them were pretty deep. You know, <laughs> he was a few feet beyond the three-point line. He clearly is uh, a great perimeter shooter, but like all shooters, sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. I think the real difference in the last week or so has been the uh, play of Jordan Minor. You know, Virginia, we talked about that, I think, before, the absence of a true five guy. Uh, they they tried Blake Buchanan, and I, I think Blake Buchanan is going to be a, a terrific player down the road, but he needs to work with Mike Curtis, the strength and conditioning guy, to get a little bigger, a little stronger, because he's you know, gets pushed around a little bit by some of the big guys, and you think big guys, uh, the guy from NC State, Barnes, he, he's as big as a barn and surprisingly quick for his size. But uh, Miner, you know, he's probably 6'8", 245, 250, so it's a little harder to push him around. Uh, so he's, he's made a huge difference, obviously, on Saturday. Beekman had a terrific game. As you say, McNeely had a good game. But I think everybody that played uh, contributed, so it was a it was a good team win. They finally got the uh, the road hex 
behind them, and now it's uh, come home Wednesday night against an NC State team that obviously uh, surprisingly lost to the Hokies in Raleigh. So the Wolfpack's going to be a little irritated, so that's going to be a challenge for the Hoos uh, playing that game. And you mentioned the other teams. Obviously, VCU's been playing late, uh, well of late. I think they have Loyola Chicago at the Siegel Center tomorrow night. And yep. I see Loyola Chicago is 5-1 and one in the league, so that, that'll be a big game for the Rams. And, and obviously, the Richmond Spiders have been really hot lately. Uh, what, eight straight wins. And they got GW this Wednesday and then a big game Saturday with the Dayton Flyers coming to the Robbins Center. So a big week of college basketball here in the Commonwealth. Absolutely. So you mentioned uh, the Hokies' big win against NC State. I mean, what were your takeaways from that game? Hunter Couture, 19 points. He was 3 of 6. Good to see him getting going again. Yeah, and then Sean Padula has just been on a really good run here in the last few weeks. Uh, he's, He's just... He's a terrific basketball player. You know, he can attack the rim. Obviously, he can make the perimeter shot. Uh, you know, I think the one problem the Hokies have had in recent uh, games, including the game in Charlottesville, they're probably turning it over yeah. a few times more than Mike Young would like to see. So they got to clean that up a little bit. But there again, I, I think they've got uh, an interesting eight days. They, they've got BC at home tomorrow and then Georgia Tech at home Saturday and then a big game ne- a week from tonight, Duke at home. So I, it's kind of unusual in the ACC to have three consecutive home games, but they have that. So it's kind of an opportunity for them. They're, they're really good at the castle. So if they could put together uh, these three wins on top of the road win against uh, NC state, they could get right back in the mix. You know, every, everybody wants one of those top four spots right now in the ACC. It looks like the top spot's going to go to Carolina, but uh, there's still a lot of, competition for spots two three and four it's jim hobgood with us here on the hadid mercer rug cleaning hotline you can check out who's talking with frank maloney and hobo tonight at 6 p.m let's go over to the a10 you mentioned the eight eight game win streak uh for the richmond spiders and they've done it with some clutch shooting uh duquesne it was a layup with 13 seconds up they went on the road then davidson that game went to overtime they win at Davidson, 69-64. to 64. I've been really impressed with the way they've been able to win some of these close games. I mean, they had a win against Loyola Chicago by two points. Mason kind of took them to the wire. They've done a really good job of closing games out down the stretch. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, you, uh, coaches always talk about you have to learn how to win, and a lot of times uh, in college basketball there's so much parity that games are going to be close. So it's uh, making the big play, be it offensively or defensively, late in the game. You know, Richmond, uh, their guards, uh, King and Hunt, have really played well for them. Um, I think, did I read that King had all the points in overtime the other day or something like that? Yeah. So <laughs> they, uh, they clearly have gotten a lot of production from them. But the big guy, Quinn, has clearly gotten better. Uh, Bigelow's a nice player. So, you know, they... You know, they've got it rolling at the moment, and they they have to be playing with a lot of confidence, and that also helps, you know, when you're in a close game late. You know, if you're playing with confidence and you you have a sense that uh, things are going to go your way, sometimes it it happens. It works out that way. Uh, I used to always say uh, North Carolina under Dean Smith, 
uh, you got them. If it was a tie game with two minutes to go, they they always expected to win, and more often than not, they did. <laughs> How about David Teal has a good article from the Richmond Times Dispatch, Richmond dot com. Uh, the last time we had March Madness without a Virginia State school was two thousand and three. Uh, we mentioned UVA earlier, the Hokies, JMU, the Spiders, VCU, Liberty. At the end of the season, who do you think is going to be dancing in March Madness? Who? Uh, you know, good question. Uh, you know, teams like Liberty, uh, they, they would have to win their conference, so they would certainly have a chance to do that. Yeah. You know, the Atlantic 10, uh, that's still a question as to whether or not that's going to be a one-bid league. Uh, now, depending on how it unfolds, maybe they could get it get a second bid but right now you may have to win the tournament so again you you, you got vcu you got richmond you got dayton so that that's going to be uh it makes the tournament interesting if you have the sense you got to win the tournament to go to the dance uh you know for both virginia and virginia tech at the moment i think would be on the outside looking in yeah. but there's still a lot of season remaining and uh you know, Virginia, the, the next three games, they have stayed at home and then Louisville on the road, and then they come home again to play Notre Dame. So they they certainly have three games ahead of them that are winnable. Now, they could also lose, <laughs> you know, witness losing to Notre Dame on the road by 20, but they're playing better now. So, I, you know, if, if by some chance they were to win those three games, they would be 7-3 and three at the halfway mark of the conference schedule. So I would think that would put them back in the mix, depending on how the, the last leg of the season goes. And yeah, you know the Hokies too—they they got off to kind of a slow start. But if you know the biggest word in the English language—if if they can win these three home games against BC, Georgia Tech, and Duke—they they could find themselves back in the mix as well. So it, you know, it's early, uh, and I I, I think uh, I'd be surprised if. The Commonwealth didn't have anybody in the NCAA tournament at this stage. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Habo, always appreciate you taking the time. Good luck on your show tonight. 6 p.m., who's talking on the fan? That's Jim Hobgood. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. We'll talk commanders at 1 p.m. on the Richmond Commander. We'll have special guest Grant Polson from Grant and Danny uh, will join the show. Rodney Ashby will talk a little VCU hoops at 2 p.m., but, of course, we've got to get to the biggest sports story of the weekend, which was the NFL divisional round of the playoffs. Four games. Uh, they were all really good ones, too. So we're going to recap those right now as we go around the NFL here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on AWOD Radio. And of course, we've got a bunch of overreactions here on a Monday following the divisional round of the playoffs. I love this. Odyssey Kansas City radio host Bob Fesco said this morning on 610 Sports in Kansas City, 
Fesco in the morning that the Bills fans must be resigned to the fact that they just can't beat the Chiefs on the biggest stage. He said, quote, if you're in Buffalo, it's oh, no, not again. It's just we're never going to do this. We're never, ever, ever going to beat Kansas City, the Chiefs, when it matters. Buffalo beats the Chiefs in the regular season. They'll never, ever, ever beat Andy and the Chiefs in the playoffs. What do you think of that, Stubb? Is that an overreaction or will the Bills never beat the Chiefs in the playoffs? That's an overreaction. It's playoffs, it's football, anything can happen. To say the Bills would never win, especially when it was essentially a field goal away from overtime, that, that feels a bit ridiculous to me. I'm going to say not an overreaction, and here's why. Andy Reid, the Chiefs, Kansas City, they've built a dynasty. They're going to be good for the next 10 years. They are going to find a way to still rebuild, retool, and get back to the AFC title game every single year. People said, oh, they lose uh, Tyreek Hill. They're not going to get back. Well, they got back last year and then won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, they lost too many offensive linemen. They're not going to get back this time. Well, they did. And look, the Bills found a way to beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They just can't do it in the playoffs. And the reason I say the Bills will never beat the Andy Reid and the Chiefs all right, and that was the quote from Bob Fesco, is because by the time the Bills get good again, Andy Reid might not be the Chiefs' uh, head coach anymore. I think the Bills' window of opportunity to win a Super Bowl closed this year. They've got a ton of free agents. They're most likely going to lose their best wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. I mean, this was their chance, man. And they were at home, Stub. It might never happen. It really might. Yeah, it's just hard to say never in the NFL, but it, it doesn't look good for them. Because it looked like Josh Allen was was playing really well, and just they still couldn't do it against a not the best Chiefs team we've ever seen. Jared Goff will win a Super Bowl. Overreaction or not, Stub? I think he could. I think I really think he could. I really think that <laughs> I think he's going to the Super Bowl this year. That is that is my bet here. So I I, I don't want to fully give it to Jared Goff. I think he's got a lot of help with the Lions and a great coach. But I don't think it's a huge overreaction to say he could win a Super Bowl. I think he could win a Super Bowl. I don't think he will win a Super Bowl. He's already played in a Super Bowl, and we saw what happened. The Rams could barely score, and they lost that Super Bowl. Now he has a chance to get back with the Lions if they beat the Niners, which I'm not going to pick them to do. But then they're going up against either the Chiefs or Ravens. I just feel like it's going to be an AFC Super Bowl uh, once again this year. I mean, Jared Goff has, has shown the Lions that he can be somebody and now they're going to have to show him the money, and it's going to screw them over in the future, I feel like, because uh, they're going to pay him top dollar and might not be able to build around him. I-, I love his confidence. Listen to this quote from Jared Goff after the win. He said, I don't want to say this arrogantly, but we, speaking of the Lions, expected to win the first game. We expect to win this game. And now we're going to go to a game we expected to be in against a really good team in the 49ers at their place, and we're going to come in expecting to win so they've got a lot of confidence they feel like this is their year uh the problem is is i just think the 49ers are too talented um any other overreactions you want to throw out there in the nfl stub we've been hearing a lot about the teams that lost this week in green bay um i don't think that jordan love did anything wrong for them to lose that game i think it was the defense and then the missed field goal I think an overreaction from a lot of people is always going to be putting all the blame on those two field goal kickers, uh, one for the Bills and one for the Packers. I think that there was a lot that went wrong for a lot of those teams, and and just a little extra drive from the offense could have got them there. So I I think that's probably the biggest overreaction you're going to see on Twitter and stuff, people yelling at these kickers when the offense should have not put them in that situation. Yeah, maybe this is an overreaction, but I just came up with it. The Detroit Lions are trying to cheat. 
to win the Super Bowl. They just reached a deal with veteran tight end Zach Ertz. All right, the veteran will sign a contract with the Lions to become a practice squad member and then could be elevated for the NFC title game. Ertz was released by the Cardinals in November. Hasn't played in a game since then. How is this possible? How is it legal, Stub, that they can pick up a tight end in the middle of the playoffs like this? One that's actually pretty good, too. He's a three-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, it's definitely odd. It's it's odd that that's not a. There's no rule against that. I I mean, I yeah. know that we we picked uh, the Browns picked Flacco off of his couch mid season, but it's not playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine picking up a quarterback <laughs> in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah, no, it, it's really weird. Um, also, we we saw the news in the NFL that the Eagles are bringing in Ron Rivera for an interview, according to Jeremy Fowler, for their open defensive coordinator position. Um, I guess we we just have to pray that the Eagles make this mistake and bring in Ron <laughs> Rivera. I mean, it, it's just crazy because last year they brought in two defensive coordinators with Sean Desai and Matt Patricia. Both of them were demoted and then fired. Um, and now, you know, the Eagles are looking to bring in another D.C. I don't know why they would think about Ron Rivera. It well, just hey. doesn't really make any sense. I guess you could point to the fact that when he was the Chargers D.C. in 2008, he was good. That's 15 years ago now. We keep getting shoved this stat of all the former Washington coaches who are now head coaches now who are on the staff. I could really see Ron Rivera, just just despite Washington, creating a top five defense for the Eagles just just because he's not in Washington anymore. That would be classic, classic Washington. All right, let's take a look at the two matchups that we will have next Sunday. All right, 3 p.m., on CBS, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens. I I, I lean late Ravens on this one. Um, part of that's because I picked the Ravens before the season to win the Super Bowl. I just feel like I've got to stick with Baltimore. And after this weekend, if we ranked the four teams left based on their performances, I think you'd have to rank Baltimore number one, right? Oh, they absolutely. cruised a victory over the Texans. It was close at halftime. It was tied at halftime. Yeah, and then look- they came out in the second half and exploded. The Ravens are the best team in the NFL this season. I really believe that. It's it's their game to lose. The Chiefs have not been looking as hot. They've they've made things happen, but it's against a Bills team they're used to beating and a Dolphins team that was in the cold. I think this is the first real, real difficult matchup for them, and I don't think the Chiefs can pull it off. So you get Chiefs at Ravens and then Lions at San Francisco. My My only issue with the Ravens is it does feel like they are one play away from Lamar getting hurt, and then they're screwed. You know, that's what happened last year. It happened the year before that. It's kind of what's, you know, limited Baltimore from making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Now, Lamar, though, does have kind of uh, like a mission this year to prove that he's more than just a regular season quarterback, that he's trying to win his second MVP and do it in the postseason, uh, and he's been terrific. So if Lamar keeps playing that way, I do think Baltimore gets past the Kansas City Chiefs. Lions at Niners, Brock Purdy was not good. No. He really was not good. And the game plan in the second half seemed to be, hey, let's just hand it off to Christian McCaffrey, have a couple play-action plays, but just get out of here and survive. The 49ers survived the Packers. Um, the Lions, I think, have a little bit more momentum off of their game. But Detroit, to go to San Francisco, you know, that game at home just makes me feel like it's going to be Niners. Uh, we could be looking at a rematch of the Super Bowl from a few years ago when Harbaugh's for both the coaches, Ravens at Niners. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now, 
at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, live and local here in Richmond, Virginia, Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. Always available on the go with the Odyssey app. Downloaded today for free. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play, here or sports talk. And I'm broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. And Burger Night is back. The Burger Night that started it all is back and better than ever. From 3 to close, you can get a quarter-pound smashed and seared burger or cheeseburger for just $2.95, upgrade to a bacon and blue cheeseburger or bacon and beer cheese, mushroom, and gruyere for just $3.95. The original Burger Night is back at Capital Ale House. That's every Monday from 3 to close at uh, all three of the Richmond area locations, Midlothian, downtown, or here with me at Innsbruck. And so the matchups are set for next Sunday. Everyone wants to know who is going to be playing in the Super Bowl this year. So the matchups are set. We will begin on 3 p.m. with Kansas City at the Baltimore Ravens, and then 6.30, the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers. And, Stubb, we almost didn't get that matchup. We almost didn't get that matchup. The Packers were close to being back. In fact, there were 6 minutes and 18 seconds left on the clock. And after a missed field goal by the Packers, 49ers... Got the ball back, trailing by only four points. Brock Purdy said to his teammates, hey, guys, lock in. The time is now. Trent Williams said the same thing. He says, guys, this might be our last opportunity. And Williams confirmed with reporters after the game that they were embarrassed at that point of the potential loss. He said, quote, we told each other there are six minutes left. This can be it. If we don't approach it the right way, this can be the last drive of the season and they were able to convert Brock Purdy went right down the field they scored the game winning touchdown but they didn't play their best ball of the season yesterday in fact they they kind of were uh, lucky to escape Shanahan the head coach of the 49ers said after the game we don't feel like we played our best today but we still found a way to win which we're very proud of these guys in there I thought that was a big of a mental challenge and just a character game as I've been a part of and it, it kind of felt that way when you were watching it I I kind of always felt like the 49ers stub were going to find a way to win that game but the yeah. Packers really pushed them to the limits yeah I mean the Packers have really been the surprise story of this uh, playoff yeah match I mean they're the first seven seed to get a win which there hasn't been seven seeds for that long and it looked like they were going to take down the Niners uh, I think that the Niners had that two-week break and it, it took them just about the whole game to kind of get back into focus. Well, it only took the Ravens about a half to kind of get back to full steam. Yeah, I mean, you think about the Packers. They were the story of wild card weekend, going to Dallas, destroying the Cowboys. Great defense, good offense. Then they go to San Francisco, and they played a heck of a game, 15 points in the third quarter, and it looked like they had a chance to win that game, but blanked in the fourth quarter, never going to win when that happens. And, of course, the missed field goal cost them the game. Uh, Aaron Jones was really good on the ground, 18 carries, 108 yards. Their best receiver was Romeo Dobbs. But McCaffrey and uh, Brandon Ayuk were too much. Did you feel like when Debo Samuel left that game, 
it kind of felt like the Niners struggled for a little bit to to replace their big weapon. Yeah, and and there's a 50-50 right now. He's coming to the next game. I saw yeah. a report on ESPN, and that's if that happens, I really am rooting for the Lions here. I I just with Brock Purdy not looking too great. And, uh, yeah, it seems like they have a lot of weapons, but you lose one of them. It's going to be tough. Absolutely. So Lions get the win over the Bucks, 31-23. to uh, Good game from Jared Goff. Better games from Jameer Gibbs. Nine carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. And he also caught the ball out of the backfield. So we mentioned Washington possibly hiring Ben Johnson, the offense coordinator for the Detroit Lions as Washington's next head coach. Well, check out this stat. No team ran more plays from under center than Detroit the last two seasons. Washington is doing nothing but shotgun with Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell sitting back there, and we're throwing it all day, not running at all. Well, Ben Johnson and the Lions led the NFL with 690 runs from under center. It's the combination of run and pass that's made the Lions so good this year, and that's what was missing in Washington, right? We have decent running backs with Antonio Gibson. I really like Brian Robinson Jr., but we only handed the ball to them like, five to ten times a game, and then it was just, Sam, throw up a prayer. See if you can get us down the field. Detroit has done it with elements of run, pass, play action. They attempted 274 play action passes. That's more than any team in the NFL. They had the NFL best 23 touchdowns off of play action. So that's how you win in this league. You've got to be able to run and then fake the run, get the linebackers creeping forward, and then you throw it over the top of them. And Ben Johnson's just really impressed me with that. Yeah. As obviously, we've been focusing on him and the Lions over the last few weeks. But that was a big part of their game plan against the Bucks. The Bucks are a really good defense. Yeah, and to Ben Johnson's credit, I really think you could tell in that second half that he had the Buccaneers' defense figured out. Those medium passes right up the middle from Jared Goff, it, yeah. the Buccaneers never figured it out, and, and Ben Johnson just kept kept running it, and that's where we got this huge lead from them near the end. Yeah, I, I've, I've been using FanDuel, sign-up promo code AWOD, and I was betting while I was watching the game, and FanDuel has this, I think it's a really fun bet, where you do it right before the commercial, before the offense comes back on the field, and it says, this drive, blank will catch a pass, and you pick a person... Uh, I picked Sam Laporte to three or four times and won it every single time. Yep. He had nine catches out of 11 targets. Right. He was wide open throughout I, the entire game. I also won money off of Laporta this weekend. Right? <laughs> As well, I, I said it last week. You said, how are they going to beat the Bucks?" And I said it was going to be Laporta. Yeah. I mean, that that Detroit offense is really looking good, and it's making me want Ben Johnson more and more. Right, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, has been a superstar at wide receiver. Laporte to their tight end. Jameer Gibbs is kind of like a Antonio Gibson, a guy you can hand the ball to or throw it to him out of the backfield. They drafted Jamison Williams to be a stud wide receiver. He finally showed up, two catches for 35 yards. They got everybody involved, right? And that's yeah. why they were they were so good offensively. Jared Goff, 30 of 43. That's a lot of pass attempts. Oh, yeah, they also ran the ball 26 times. So they did find a way to run uh, where Tampa could not run successfully at all. They only had 15 carries on the game where Baker Mayfield threw for 41 uh, attempts. And that led to the two interceptions, which were uh, backbreakers there. Um, frustrating to see my guy Baker Mayfield go down. Didn't look like much of a football savant there, Stubb. <laughs> no, the, 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 <laughs> he, he wasn't they, reading the defense very well. He started and he ended the game with an interception, and that's really yeah. what did him in. Yeah, you know what I think they needed to do more of was 
throw it to Mike Evans. It was like yeah, they only was. targeted him the one drive right before the half when he had three catches. Yeah, and, and then they just forgot about him. And he still got he, like 120 yards. It seemed like yeah. anything time they threw it to Mike Evans, it was a dime. So, Yeah, that's yeah, it, what they needed to do at the end of the game there. It was just kind of give Mike Evans a shot to win the game. I was disappointed by Chris Godwin only having 40 yards. Uh, you know, when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, he was a star. Uh, maybe that was just Tom Brady finding uh, a good receiver there, but did not uh, play well in this one. 40 yards, four catches, but he was targeted eight times, so he had four drops on the game. Um, so, look, I thought it was really entertaining football. Oh, yeah. uh, the the Ravens-Texans game turned out to be a blowout. was a really entertaining game at half, 10-10. I'm thinking, man, Texans have a shot here. Uh, they had all the momentum with the former Redskins, Steven Sims, punt return for a touchdown. Uh, you know, that was a, a, a really good game. Packers-Niners. I'm going to say that was probably the game of the weekend, Packers-Niners. What I do you think? Uh, I mean, Chiefs-Bills was fun. Yeah, I mean, there are three to pick from here. I loved yeah. watching the Lions-Buccaneers game. It didn't end up okay. that close, but the first three quarters were just fun to watch. I might pick yeah. that one. Yeah, it, it was it was good defensive football yeah. for a while there, and then the offense started exploding. Sign, kind of the same thing there with the Chiefs-Bills game. Uh, defense holding teams to field goals in the first quarter. Second quarter is all touchdowns. Uh, third quarter, a couple more scores. Uh, but I'm going to say my certified game of the week here, I was wrong picking the Bucks lions I think it was that Packers-Niners game. Like I, I really think that was the most entertaining game of the season, and if the Packers make that field goal, they might have advanced. Instead, it's the Niners at home facing off against the Lions and the Ravens at home hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll have you covered throughout the rest of the week. We'll get Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, and Lions reporters on the show. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. We're live and local here Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. And always available around the country on the go with the free Odyssey app. It's the best app out there for music, play-by-play here, and sports talk. It gives you the ability to pause the show, rewind, run some errands, and then pick up right where you left off. And you can always hear VCU basketball on the Odyssey app with tomorrow night. The Rams hosting Loyola Chicago. The pregame coverage starts at 6.15. And then on the call, you'll hear Rodney Ashby, who joins us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Rodney? Oh, not much, man. That was some peppy uh, walkout music for a Monday. I like it. Way to get it, get everybody fired up. Absolutely. Three-game win streak. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway from the last three games for the Rams? Well, I'll tell you what, I talked about it in the post game the other night. I just feel like that after the GW game, we felt like we had some things we really had to clean up. And it was mostly on the defensive side. And typically that's not something you can flip a switch and fix. But I don't know how Coach Odom and his staff did it, but they flipped the switch. And we went on the road for two straight games against George Mason and and um, LaSalle and absolutely put some defensive displays home on and then we brought it home the other night against St. Louis. Absolutely. I mean, I almost feel like we're developing a team identity as a tough defensive squad that can score when they want to. I mean, that's what it was in the first two A-10 games. We know we can score. We got into these shootouts, but they were losing efforts. Then all of a sudden, we clamped down on the defensive end. We could still score when we want to, and it's leading to dubs. 
Yeah, exactly right. And I tell you, the um, you know, we struggled a little bit scoring against George Mason. They're a tough defensive team. But, you know, LaSalle, we kind of kicked it into second gear, third gear a little bit more in the second half. And then, of course, the other night, we just really, really had a you know, impressive defensive I mean, an offensive display against a very physical, tough, typically tough defensive-minded team in St. Louis. Absolutely, and in that game, Joe Bamisil was incredible. 29 points in just 22 minutes, 10 of 13 from the field. Uh, and I, I thought it was really telling, he said after the game in the post-game press conference, that him and Coach Odom had a long conversation, and Coach Odom said, just keep shooting. Don't don't care if it goes in or out. And Joe was one of his last ten shots before that game, and then exploded for twenty nine points. Rodney. Yeah, you know, coaching these kids is not always um, about X and O's or fundamentals on the court. It's a lot about how they handle different situations mentally. And you know, each coach has a different way of how they approach them. And it, you know, one of the things about having um, you know the coaching staff that we have, they all have great relationships with these guys, and they. And the guys respect them. And, they, you know, look, there's no question that that our staff owns the locker room. And it and that's a nice response by Joe Bamisell. You know, you get a little confidence in him. And, you know, we were talking to Jason Nelson, who had played on Team Loaded with him, with uh, Joe Bam. And we said, look, were you surprised that he came out and hit that? He goes, no, 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 no. I've seen that before. He goes, I knew when the first two went, up, went in <laughs> that it was going to be his night. And, you know, they just kept feeding the ball. And, you know, I tell you what, what an exciting thing for our fans to get to watch in, in front of the home crowd. The students were back, and the Peppas were on steroids. I mean, it was a it was a great environment at the Stew that night. Yeah, no, I, I said it to start the show. Uh, I think we've realized that these Gen Zers, these young college kids now, they love theme nights, and that decades theme uh, was it was really successful. The bucket hats were awesome. 36 points in the first half. The team explodes for 49 in the second half. What would you make of Jason Nelson's uh, first start in a Ram uniform replacing the injured Zeb Jackson? You know, I think that's that's a good point that it wasn't a Rams uniform. You forget, this guy started, I don't know, 20-plus games for University of, you know, the, the University across the way there. Um, <laughs> and it, and so he's brought that experience to the stew and he took advantage of the minutes that he got, you know, um, every staff talks about, you got to have that next up mentality, especially with the injuries that happen in, in college basketball, because, you know, it's a 12 month sport. I don't think people realize how much effort these guys put in 12 months a year. And so at some point, you know, the goal is to try to have them peak during the season and then peak even more during, during March. And, it's hard to do that. And so we always have to have that next up mentality. And Jason Nelson took advantage of every single minute he got and, you know, played big minutes for us uh, the other night against St. Louis. The defense, you know, you talked about that. I've talked about that. It's just been night and day from the first two A-10 games to the last three. You know, what are a few things that you point to that's been the def- uh, the difference defensively? Is it just, you know, you know, wanting to get more stops, hustling more? What have you noticed? Well, we're going to start with the bigs because, you know, I love to talk about bigs, Awad. And I think, first of all, they've kind of found out what their secret sauce is, a nice balance between protecting the rim. And, boy, did we see some rim protection between the forwards and centers um, and the bigs the other night. 
and being able to get the offense or the defensive rebound. And I think early on in the season and early on in the A-10, we were going to try to protect the rim, and we might have been successful at that, but then along came an offensive rebound. You know, you've given up double-digit offensive rebounds in those games. And when you do that, you just can't give teams as talented as what they have in the A-10 multiple shots at the basket and expect to win. And I think that's that's – you know, number one. Number two is we're getting caught in rotations a little less, a little less, right? I mean, you take a look at what Max Shulga did against Jemerson the other night. Jemerson, the leading scorer for St. Louis, averaging 17 points a game, came in and Max Shulga put on a defensive, you know, clinic on how to guard a guy like that. And Jemerson has lit the VCU up in at the stew in the past. And the way that Shulga took that pride on and stopped it, it just creates makes it so we don't have to get into rotation situations as often. And the, that's another thing about college basketball. The more rotations you get in, the the more you're going to eventually, with all the talent in Division One basketball, you're going to get stuck with an inside layup or, um, you know, a wide open three. And when guys get their feet set in Division One, they don't miss. Rodney Ashby with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can hear Rodney alongside Robbie Robinson calling VCU games right here on 910 The Fan via Rams Unlimited. What is your preview for tomorrow night with the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago coming to the stew? Well, they're coming in white hot, right? They've only are 5-1 and one in the conference. They're only losses to uh, University of Richmond, who's leading the league right now, undefeated in the league, along with Dayton. So this is one of the top three teams in the league, and so they're balanced. They had a rough year, transition year, into the A-10 last year. They took some bumps and bruises, but – you know, they've made the transition. Um, they are very well coached. Their, their execution is flawless. And we're going to have to be patient on the defensive side, not try to go for a lot of steals, just stay in between our man and the basket, be fundamentally solid. Like I said, get caught in less rotations um, late in the shot clock so that we're not having to um, have big go out and give up layups. So that's ultimately what I think we need to do defensively. Offensively, we're going to have to be just as patient. They do a really good job of making us try to or their opponents shoot shots that they want them to take, not so much the shots that we want to take. We've been really good in the last four or five games, even in the beginning of the A-10, of taking the shots we want to take, not taking bad shots early in the shot clock and then having to go back and play an extended amount of defense, almost time of possession type basketball. If we take um, you know shots that we could have gotten – we're taking shots that we would have taken in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock, late in the shot clock, the last 10 seconds, and that's making it so we don't have to play as long defensive possessions. And I think we've got to make sure that we're taking the shots that we want to take next year or you know, tomorrow night, not so much the ones they want us to take. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, the defense has been impressive, but I don't want to overlook the fact that uh, the Rams have been better offensively, not coughing the ball up. Just nine turnovers against St. Louis, and part of the reason the offense has been more efficient has been the return of Sean Barstow, you know, letting him be your power forward point guard uh, handling the ball for the Rams. Uh, I saw Ryan Odom mention Zeb Jackson day-to-day and that he was able to practice Sunday. Uh, we do not know if he's going to play on Tuesday. His availability uh, will depend on him, how his back responds. What, do you, can you tell us any more about this back injury or the history of this injury? Well, uh, you know, he had, it's, it's back spasms, and so he fought through that a lot last year as well, but he's getting significantly more minutes this year, and I think that yeah. – 
what happened is he went to um, attempt to challenge a shot against your, I think it was, was it LaSalle? I think it was LaSalle. Yeah, LaSalle. Challenge a shot. And when he did, he was trying to avoid the, um, you know, collision between the the offensive player. He was challenging a three-point shot. And he came down a little cricket, and it just kind of activated that back spasm. He was able to take two or three steps and then kind of did a dive to the floor. And so it's back spasms, and anybody that's ever had a man, they are painful. And it takes a while for them to totally go away. Now, um, I was just at the stew just before getting home with you, and, and he was in the training room working. They have been tirelessly trying to get him ready, but I, you know, I've got to go with what Ryan's saying at this point. It, it's day to day because you could take two steps forward and then one step back with a with a back spasm type issue. Yeah, no, it's going to be important uh, that the Rams, when they do get him back, he's back to full strength. Rodney, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. I'll see you tomorrow night on the pregame show. Yep, that'll be at 6.15 right here on 910. The Fan via Rams Unlimited before I hand it off to Robbie and Rodney for the call via Rams Unlimited right here on 910. The Fan, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.